I'm sure all of you guys already know and love the okay sis podcast and same. <laughs> and I was interviewed by Scout and Maddie a little while back and the episode was so juicy and some of the my favorite pieces from the episode and what I want to tell you guys is like that's what we're going to share with you guys today. I was like, can I please reshare this with my community on my podcast because the nature of the conversation was definitely around like the concept of pleasure over pressure, which you guys know I talk about a ton, but the way that we weaved it into like how we're perceiving that we need to be busy in our ability to rest and what happens if we try to rest and sometimes it feels like chaos in our body and Scout totally just called Maddie out and was like, "Well, I know" And she's like, what do you think, Andrea? So it kind of turned into a little bit of a live coaching call for Maddie's benefit. And she was like, so just vulnerable, you know, talking about what she's been going through with the ability to just kind of lean back and make more decisions from pleasure and what happens if, and all the really normal questions that I get from people of like, but can this decision really be made from pleasure? And then bringing the conversation into like scout and being a new mom and just how you're like your priorities change. Like the, mm, the nourishment, I want to say that feels like the best word, like the nourishment of this particular episode was so good that I was really, really excited to share that with you guys in my community. So without further ado, this is the recording from the interview that Scout and Maddie did with me on the OK Sis podcast, resharing here for my community, the Unruly Entrepreneurs. Love you guys. December 25th, 2018. It was our first Christmas in our new million dollar home. I checked all the boxes that promised me real freedom. I had a booming business, raving fans, money, assets, and yet I was still sitting there on the couch pretending that I was watching that Christmas movie with my family while I was choking down the poison of anxiety. I still felt like that desperate kid who would take her clothes off for money, the kid who nearly overdosed to try to prove her worth to her friends, the kid that got pregnant at 19. I felt stuck, like I was stuck in the sands of time. I did all the right things, all the things that promised me freedom, and it didn't add up. I realized a few things. I was still checking someone else's box. This was gonna be an inside job, and I would do whatever it took to never feel that way again. Consider this podcast the rebranded, revamped, cool-ass version of Alternative School. Alternative School for the unruly entrepreneur. This is for the innovators, the creators, the world changers, the service-minded, and those who want the details on how to create a business that really, truly, finally fucking sets you free. I'm your host, Andrea Crowder, and welcome to the Unruly Entrepreneur Podcast. Let's go to the show. We have Andrea Crowder on the podcast. I'm so excited. I know I was on your podcast, but I, ever since then, I have been addicted, might be too strong of a word, but that's what's coming through, addicted to your content and your podcast because it has a potency that I really believe is not on the internet today. And that is so rare to say and experience and feel. 
especially since today everything feels like an echo chamber. I want to start real quick. We want to talk about the pleasure model, making decisions that are pleasure-filled versus <laughs> out of pressure. We want to talk about actual financial freedom for business owners. But first, I think that why your and how your wisdom is going to be so impactful for our sisters is to start very briefly from the beginning. Can you just summarize where you started in this journey of life? Because your transformation and your story arc is incredible. So let's start there. Okay. I'm like, wait, how far back are we? (laughs) I think it's, I think the part of my story that's the most relevant to like what I can offer people today is like for people to know, like I was a teen mom, the person that I got pregnant with also got another woman pregnant within about two weeks of me. So she was pregnant first and then he left her we started dating and I got pregnant immediately and I remember waking up one morning and my boobs hurt and I was like this is weird (laughs) just it almost felt like growing pains but I had stopped growing (laughs) so I texted one of my friends is who's the only person that I knew in my life at that time that had a kid and I was like do you think (laughs) and she's Andrea you better not be pregnant and I was like I don't know what to do here. So I was already like bouncing checks for food at this point. And so I just walked into a grocery store, grabbed a pregnancy test, went straight back into the bathroom, opened it up, basically stole, not basically, I stole the pregnancy test. I took it there underneath the fluorescent lights, staring at the disgusting concrete floor, like hospital damp energy and looked down and I was like, son of a bitch, Mm. (laughs) I'm pregnant. And I was a drug dealer and a stripper at this time selling weed, sometimes ecstasy in the strip club that I worked at. And certainly in in no condition to bring a child into this world. And I ended up um, telling the guy who got me pregnant. And I remember him saying casually and, and facetiously at the time, He's, if I got you pregnant, I would drive my car off a cliff. Just basically, AKA, this is just all too much for me. So now I'm terrified to tell him that I'm pregnant. And he does walk straight back out the door after I tell him. I'm panicking, thinking he's going to go end his life. Luckily, he didn't. And he told me, if you're both pregnant, I would rather be with you. We actually did have a genuine connection. And later on, he changed his mind. Like all of this, my where I was going to live, who I was going to raise a child with, like all of that changed so much in such a short period of time. And he ended up telling me one day, he's, I can't Mm. be with you. She's on her way. You have to leave. Like now get all your shit out of my house. Basically, I put all my stuff into a black trash bag and he dropped me off on the side of the road at the mall. (laughs) And I had to grab one of the old pay phones and collect, call my friend's mom to come get me off of the side of the road. And at that point I'm like pregnant. I don't have a home anymore and broke. I have no idea what I'm going to do. And that was the beginning of my adult years. And the thing that I would like to say is I think pregnancy probably saved my life. Had I continued down that road, I probably would have overdosed. I was doing cocaine, ecstasy. didn't really smoke weed because I didn't like anything that slowed me down. I'm a Virgo. (laughs) I like to move fast. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And now I have a child that's like completely dependent on me. And now he's born. I'm trying to figure out how to be a mom. I'm sleep deprived. And I remember one night he was really colicky. I had mastitis, and uh, which is a breast infection if you're not a mom and you've never heard of that. Um, 
and I'm trying to nurse him. It's two o'clock in the morning. He's crying. He's having trouble latching. I'm crying. And I look down and I'm like, I don't know whose tears are whose because mine are just falling straight onto his face. And I remember just saying out loud to him Mm -hmm. at two o'clock in the morning in the dark, I promise you, I will become a woman that you can be proud of someday. And that was like the beginning of me deciding like, this is not the road. (laughs) This is not the road because now it's not me, it's us. And I have to do better for him. And I've spent every day since then becoming, trying to become somebody that my kids can look up to and be proud and say like, damn, that's (laughs) my mom. And I just can't believe I'm so lucky she's mine. So I've done a lot since then in business started. I ended up getting pregnant, not pregnant, but uh, married. I was a military wife for almost 20 years. And we, my ex and I split last year and have been running my company on my own since then. And yeah, I started a business in 2011 with one Instagram follower, which was my sister. And now run, I've built several companies that have at least like made a million dollars. The one I run today makes a million a year. And, and now I'm here to help business, not just business, but business and life become more of a pleasurable experience, period. Period. Wow. Yeah. Just even, obviously we skipped a lot in the middle there, but just even right. seeing your origin origin story and how much you've overcome and the resilience, it's so powerful and it, it makes me so happy to know that you are on the other side of that. There's something just so beautiful about even the way you tell your story. Like It's like you've almost completely healed from it, but you also are so grateful that was your path because you would, as you said, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't be making these decisions. I would have been on a different path. So I think, thank you so much for sharing that. It's a beautiful summary. I want to talk about, obviously you built all these businesses. Where does the pleasure aspect come into play because Scout and I have been talking a lot on OKSYS the past couple of weeks on, and this is so perfect timing because we, it's been a theme, especially in my life lately, of wanting to insert more pleasure, joy, just this sense of ease and calm into my life. Mm-hmm. Every day I write down three simple pleasures that happened to me that day. And it's yeah. this practice that I've been doing for the past year that has now started to take more into effect and I can feel it um, mm-hmm. beyond just the journaling practice. You know, I start to notice things in my life that are pleasurable that people might let slide by. So yeah. what? where did pleasure come into the equation for you and why do you think it's so important? I subscribe to what society said would be six would be my version of success like you'll be happy Mm -hmm. and successful when you make Mm -hmm. the money you have the house you have the family and I was I had built my first million dollar business in network marketing and I had a residual income I was doing really well and I remember looking down at my kids when Christmas morning they're sitting on the floor and they are like organizing their Christmas presents. I look over at my husband at the time and he's just sitting there chilling, watching a Christmas movie. And I'm like, everybody around me is just present. And I was Mm -hmm. like choking on anxiety. My whole body was just, I could not rest because I was like, the shoe's going to drop. It's all going to go away. It's all on me. I can't hold it. And I still felt like that broke teenager swinging around a stripper pole for 20 bucks, not knowing where the next one would come from. 
And even though logically I could see I had money in the bank, I have assets, I have the house, have the Mercedes in the driveway, still inside my feelings and the sensation that I was holding in my body were not congruent. It just like never caught up. And I remember saying to myself, I will never have another Christmas like this. This will be my last. And I went Mm -hmm. to like my spiritual practices and just leaned on like everything that I could, like feel it to heal it, therapy, Reiki, scream therapy, like everything that everybody told me to do. I'm the Virgo that's, if you tell me to do it and you're going to say, I'm going to get this result, I will do it. I'll do it all the way. I'll do all the weird things. I will hum to get vibration to go through my chest. I will scream while I'm doing my work. Every weird thing, right? My kids were like, what's mom up to today? (laughs) Just trying to move all of this pain so I could just be in my purpose. And I could move it, but I couldn't sustain it. And it was like playing this maddening game of whack-a-mole, that like circus game where you hit the thing and it goes back down and it pops up in a different place. So every day I would be able to get it down and then it would pop right back up. Before I even opened my eyes, I was already suffering. Mm -hmm. And I know so many, I would say more people that I know, not anymore because now I'm like, I'm here to fucking fix this for some people, but... Before I figured out a solution, I was, I was relating to more people that, that understood what it felt like to be just like grabbed by anxiety before their feet hit the floor in the morning, mm-hmm. especially entrepreneurs. And so it's been a journey the last two to three years of me slowly rearranging like how I'm doing things, but then also bringing new therapeutic practices into play. So I got trained in rapid resolution therapy because I used it for myself personally when my ex was going through really extreme PTSD. I got PTSD from his PTSD, like t- mm-hmm. being a caretaker of someone who's in pretty extreme irrational states like daymares, nightmares, all the things like crying, screaming for like dying children in Afghanistan. Like it was really Mm. awful and watching somebody that you love. And it was just like his eyes would just be glass and nobody would be there. Like Mm. I would just watch him step out and just be a body Mm. existing. So there was so much happening and I was really not realizing how much I was traumatized until he went into treatment. He was in treatment for a couple of months. And when he wasn't in the house, I was like, I'm going to get so much done. Because I was, I could only work like two hours a day. I, was, I thought I was going to have all this time for my business. I was getting ready to launch a physical product company and um, still running and running my coaching business. And slowly but surely, all of a sudden, I just started to crumble. By the time he got out of two months of what at that time I was like, check me in. (laughs) That looks like vacation. (laughs) And I went to go pick him up, which it was just the location was just three hours north of where we live now. And on the way home driving, he just casually looks over at me and he goes, you okay? And all of a sudden I was like, "Ah," like bawling. And I was like, just holding the steering wheel. And I was like, I am not okay. I am not okay. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Like just in this like stuck loop. And so I went into a therapist's office and I was like, I need to start moving some of this. Some of it was anger, unprocessed anger that I just thought I needed to scream more because I'm like, 
why do I have to do all this? Like, why didn't the government step in and help him and this and that? Why is it all on my shoulders and the things that my children experienced through all of it too? And I walked into the therapist's office and I'm like, I'm so angry. I could feel my jaw tightening and, and he's, Andre, would it be okay if you weren't angry anymore? And I'm like, bro, that's why I'm here. <laughs> that's why I'm here. And he's, are you sure? Just check. And I was like, okay, he's telling me to check. I'll do what I'm told. And so I just scanned my body and I was so surprised. And I opened my eyes. I looked at him and I was like, no, it's not okay if I'm not angry anymore. And he goes, tell me why. And I said, because I need my anger to protect my babies. And he's, I understand. And he goes, if you're trying to protect your babies, would it be more useful or less useful to have access to intuition? I said, more useful. He said, would it be more useful or less useful to have access to strategy? I said, more useful. He said, what about clarity? I said, yes. He said, what about focus? I said, yes, all of those things. And he goes, Andrea, when you're angry, blood leaves the brain and goes into your jaw, making your jaw very strong so you can bite very hard, but making you dumber. Essentially, you're losing intelligence in order to gain strength in your jaw. Do you find that more useful or less useful when you're trying to protect your babies? And I said, that's less useful. And he goes, good. Now would it be okay if you weren't angry anymore? And I was like, yes, make me not angry anymore because my still my number one priority, protect my babies. And now I understand how that is not helping me protect my babies. In 60 minutes, I could not access that anger again if you had paid me a million dollars. It was mm. vanished. I've never felt it over the events that he cleared again. And I looked at this man being who I am. And I was like, what the fuck did you just do to me? <laughs> and he handed me over this book and he goes, take this. And the book was called Life-Changing Conversations by Dr. John Connolly. And I started reading it and I started becoming obsessed with there is a chance that this game of whack-a-mole is done forever and always today. If I stay on this path and I've been doing it, I've been on that path since early 2021 and that has been my life. So as I've slowly started to weave um, rapid resolution therapy into my business, into my life, and then also understanding like why RRT works and like the symbolisms, metaphors, stories, and like the way that it actually does help truly process and clear trauma. Not to say that the trauma didn't happen, but the suffering becomes eliminated with it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wait, how remarkable would this be for business? If all of a sudden people didn't fear visibility, if all of a sudden it was okay if you out-earned your father or your husband, if all of a sudden um, you weren't afraid of conflict with the client anymore and you knew how to approach and handle that. And so weaving that into my business and realizing like where our sustainable energy comes from, I'm like, we are losing so much money by operating in pressure. And we were thinking that it was so useful. In fact, still to this day, people will come to me and try to argue their, the usefulness of their pressure. And I'm like, sit down. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, do you have a minute? <laughs> I want to even bring it so much more micro because I think that when you said this, because 
the stories that you tell and like the idea of doing things in pleasure versus pressure can seem abstract or large or have to do with emotional healing. But mm-hmm. when you talk about it on a practical level, it actually changed everything for me in my business. I remember hearing you speak on your podcast. It was when you launched, what was it? The, pre- the pleasure model? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You said in the open enrollment period that you had 12 month or like a longer payment plan mm-hmm. accidentally happened or whatever. Yeah. And you said it feels like a pressure decision to keep the payment plan open. Oh, that's what you should do. You should have a longer payment plan so people can come in. But that didn't feel good to you. And you said what feels pleasurable is to whatever the different payment structure you decided to move into, even though the logical pressure, like business mind, that was, you were saying the opposite. And the minute you made the decision based off pleasure, that's when like people started paying in full and all the sales came in. And so even like that micro of a thing is something that I practice now in my business. Like I was saying to myself, you know, these certain webinars, I do really well on them and I usually sell and sign a client, but it doesn't feel good right now for me to do a webinar. Like it feels like it's a pressure thing. I have to get on to sell. And it. I, rem- I remembered you saying that thing about the price point. And I was like, this is a pressure decision. And even though it's so hard to choose the pleasure decision because you're afraid, like fear yeah. comes into the thing. And what I noticed was my belief was if I don't do all the things, if I don't show up to the webinar and I don't do everything that I should do, and is like in the marketing books, et cetera, and my business fails, it's my fault. Mm -hmm. But if I only do the things that I, but if I do all of the things and my business fails, it's not my fault. And it was a way to absolve me of responsibility. So anyways, I just wanted to point out how insanely micro these decisions are. And of course, like after I did that, I signed a bunch of clients the next week, but insanely micro these decisions are. And so how can we start to apply this idea to our daily lives within business. Yeah. So it's not that we won't ever feel pressure in our business. It's what are our decisions rooted in? And I believe that I believe, and I also can prove through my history, every time I make a decision rooting, rooted in fear, it's like planting a seed in cement and hoping it will grow. But when we're, when we make a decision from love helps create life, it flourishes. And so love pleasure, like pleasure is ultimately another word for love, but it just sounded catchier, pressure over pleasure. Right? I didn't even mean for that to ever become a thing, to be honest. It just slipped out of my mouth one day and you guys know how that goes. Everybody else is, I love it. And you're like, fuck, okay, we're going here now. <laughs> so I, I used to say, decide from love versus fear. And now it's pleasure versus pressure, but I've been saying the same thing for at least five years now. And I like this visual. It really works for me and it only works for me because of my spiritual beliefs. So, so I'll share it with you. And if you have different belief systems, see if you can find a way to just make it work for you. Because ultimately what I'm doing is I'm trying to make a decision in a way that will infuse power or energy into my body because I'm Mm. looking for all of my decisions to be the most energy rich when it's energy rich, I can keep going. Eventually what will happen, and I, the reason this became really urgent to me to start actually putting how I run my business into a duplicable way was I was watching people that I loved learning from. 
that were just like the wizards in their like micro piece of the internet. I watched them walk away and burn their businesses down. These were the people that were making multiples of millions of dollars, millions of followers. And they're like, I can't do it anymore. It's too much pressure. Mm. And I was like, that to me is the ultimate failure on society's part to raise us in such a way that we would build something that we can't hold when it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. I found that I make so much more money and it's so much faster. And I know that I can keep doubling and doubling and doubling in my business in this way. And no matter how much my business grows, because I make decisions like this, and I'll tell you how I do that, um, I know that I will always have the energy to back it up. There will never be anything that's rooted in obligatory energy of I have to show up today. I don't fuck with discipline. I would say I'm the least disciplined person that you will know, but I do the only thing I would say I'm disciplined about is doing everything from desire. And mm. I want, like, I'm super ADHD. So if it's not fun, I'm just out. And so I'm like, I want the immediate reward, but not at the expense of the long term. But I also want the long term, but not at the expense of the immediate reward. So I was just like, how do I have both? <laughs> <laughs> I have a tattoo on my wrist that's just like the and sign. And I was like, I. I want both. (laughs) Why do I have to choose? We have the internet. (laughs) We're the most blessed generation that has ever existed to be able to decide what we want and to have it our way. (laughs) Burger King trained us well. So (laughs) what I see is I see if my soul or if the universe or if God or like insert whatever belief system you have, like if there's this wisdom that can see the aerial view and can see way past where I can see that is trying to guide me and it's here over here do this thing right I see it as like this I see it as I'll use the word God because I was raised Christian I still identify with the word God it feels like comforting to me If God has the aerial view and wants to raise my island and wants to help me so that my island can help the most people, I see it as if my island has these little balloons all over it to help raise it and to raise Mm -hmm. it level so nobody's toppling over, right? But in order to raise it level, the balloons have to be on different spots on the island. So we're thinking the balloons have to be one at a time, but if there was one at a time, then the island would be toppling over, right? It wouldn't be level anymore because all the balloons would be filled on the left and there would be no balloons that would be filled on the right. So what my job is to find the balloon that has helium. And this is the balloon that I would say, it's the idea that's energy rich. So each balloon has a task on it for me to do. And if this balloon says, write an Instagram a post, and then this one says, Go have a date with your boyfriend. Who am I to tell God no? (laughs) Because wouldn't you guys know that the pleasure model exists because of a date with a Brazilian? (laughs) 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 So who's not my, who's not my partner, but like he was in my life for two weeks, just long enough till literally like the universe phased him out as soon as the pleasure model launched. (laughs) So I was like, why am I feeling guided to spend so much time like talking to this guy. I feel like I should be recording a podcast. I should be doing this. I should be doing this. I had no idea that I was even going to create a program called the pleasure model. 
at the beginning of August. We had a really awkward, weird launch where we did $2,000 in sales at the beginning. And I was like, a launch like this would normally be, it was like a 48-hour sale. It would normally be anywhere between 20K at the lowest all the way up to our biggest was like 180K. And I was like, we just did $2,000 in sales. What the fuck is happening, right? And so I'm continuing to follow and look for the balloons that have the helium in them because those are the ideas that are energy rich because who wants to play with a flaccid balloon, first of all? People are walking around and they're like shaking the empty flaccid balloons and it's not very fun to play with. They don't really want to be there, but somebody else told them they were supposed to do things in a very sequential specific order. So they're just following the rules instead of following the energy. I'm looking for the energy rich idea because the energy rich idea will work through me. It's like the idea does itself (laughs) essentially when I show up to play with that balloon. So in this case, it was a Brazilian, (laughs) very fine man (laughs) who was like God's gift to me for two weeks in August. (laughs) And I've never spoken to since then. (laughs) It's like my dating life has been so weird, right? As that happened, I got the idea for the pleasure model. And I was like in this like high vibe talking to him. And I was like, Huh. And I just kept seeing the word model in big words like our branding is. And I was talking to my brand artist, Dejan, and I was like, I think we're supposed to have a program like that. Within two weeks, everything built out, ready to launch the program. And then we had a 100K day, the day that Scout was just talking about when I ended up deleting one of the... um, one of the payment plans. I had no idea it was coming. I should have been launching another program. I delayed that program because I could feel the energy was not rich in it yet. That program came out the next month. That program Mm -hmm. did really well because it was then filled with energy and I wasn't doing anything in a supposed to or a sequential order or however everybody else tells me to. I was truly just looking for what balloon has my energy and let me go play with it. And my island just keeps raising and raising. Last year, my mm-hmm. company tripled. This year, it's doubling. I suspect we'll probably, we're trending towards continuing to double next year. And just because we've been able to sustain that all year long. And I don't think that's really going to change so much. <laughs> Wow. So what I'm hearing is a lot of intuition and then a lot of trust Mm -mm. on the other end of things. There's no trust. There's no trust. No trust. All evidence. Sure, sure, sure. But more so because you have the evidence that trust muscle is incredibly strong. Would you say that? Because we all have evidence already. Okay. I just looked for the evidence first. Therefore, I didn't need the abstract, very chaotic energy of trust. Mm. Like trust or So where was... Oh my God. You're so fucking right. (laughs) Wait, everyone everyone needs to pause for two (laughs) seconds. Wow. We need to replay that real fucking fast because what you just said, that's why people can't do it because they can't be in the energy of trust because the energy of trust is highly destabilizing for people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet the evidence is a thousand percent there. Maybe it's not that your course did a hundred K in a day, but it is there that when you did the thing because it was flowing through you, 
things came back to you in a really beautiful way and it felt aligned. Mm -hmm. It is a choice that we do not call upon the thousands, if not millions of moments of evidence that we have in our life Mm -hmm. and that we're only focusing on this, whatever, the negativity or whatever. That is so big because I think the trust factor is so hard for people to wrap their heads around. But you're right. We don't need it. We don't need it. We've lived enough. We have the evidence if we're courageously willing to look at it and focus on that. And what I tell people, you mentioned, maybe I haven't done this and hit this particular record. When I say look for the evidence, tell me what you've already done. If you've brought on two clients, you know you can do it and you have evidence, then just build your whole million dollar business two at a time. Hit the two, go for it again. Hit the two, go for it again. You do not need faith. You do not need trust. You're technically using incredibly abstract spiritual terms like Course in Miracles, everything is based on love or fear. Go back to love. Mm-hmm. You're saying don't necessarily focus on the lack, focus on the abundance. Mm-hmm. But the way you describe them are so rooted in real-time evidence and real-time right. experience. Like pleasure versus over pressure makes more sense to our generation or to human beings mm-hmm. than love and fear, mm-hmm. right? Right. Like evidence of over trust makes more sense to us as psychological, like human beings. And so the way you describe them, it's, it hits a way that can actually create impact. So we're not just like, why aren't I'm trying to be in the abundant mindset? Why isn't it working? I'm trying to be in trust. Why isn't it working? The way you say it, for me at least, brings it into the 3D way that actually creates the impact, the spiritual impact that we're looking for and the... the life that we're trying to build. My way of thinking is always, how can I say this in a way that floods power back into the body now? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And every decision that I get, every decision, every metaphor, every way of explaining things is rooted through that intention. How do you avoid, or maybe you're not supposed to avoid this, but I think people listening and myself included, when we think always make decisions based on this pleasure model. How do you avoid just, because if I were, if I'm being honest, if I were to literally do what makes me feel pleasure today, I would not work at all and just read romance novels in my bed all day, right? (laughs) Which could be nice and also whatever. I would go on a vacation and just sit and read all day. So what is the distinction between just like full, not even being like an operating person of society and just like watching TV all day or doing anything that just feels always pleasure all the time versus this type of model where it's, no, you're still working towards your purpose. Yeah. Can I point out something? Because I know Mads' story that I want to give a little bit of context to in this question. Yeah. Is that I think, I, and I was, I really actually wanted you to get here, Mads, because I, I want to, I think this is so where you're at right now, mm-hmm. is that I think that the need for you to go and just read all day is just your body and your mind telling you that like you are in a structure potentially of burnout, like you mm-hmm. need more space and you need that nourishing rest because nothing pleasurable can come through when we've reached our maximum. And I think you've reached your maximum and I think you need to take a step back for a moment because I think you need that. And we can get to, okay, there's realistic terms. You own your own business. You're the main person. Like, how do you make that happen? But I would guarantee you 
that if you shut everything down right now and went on vacation and read romance novels in two weeks, you would come back with pleasurable ideas. It's not that you don't have them and it's not that you can't do it. You just can't access them right now because your body is telling you what to do. So you can access them quickly and in the future. Yeah, I agree. What does Andrea think? Yeah. Yes. (laughs) And also I think there's a, I'm so glad you asked this question because there is a really important distinction here on the concept of the pleasure model. My attention gets placed when I make a new decision first on having done it. Do I feel an increase of energy when I imagine having done it? If the answer mm. is yes, it's a decision that I will move forward with. And then the question is, how can I then do it in pleasure? which then brings in a certain amount of like creativity because there's an old version of me that didn't have a CFO, a bookkeeper, a wealth manager. Like these are all blessings that I feel grateful, so grateful to have today. And there's an old version of me that was sitting on the bed with all of my receipts as a business owner, not having anybody to help me crying right before doing my taxes. Mm -hmm. I don't love doing my taxes. I would rather play with color crayons. (laughs) Uh, There's people in this world, but there's, there's somebody in this world that loves an Excel spreadsheet and man, like that is their turn on. (laughs) And I employ those people now today. (laughs) Right. But the, but would it feel good to have done my taxes? Yes. Otherwise it would be a huge energy leak in my life. So the question was, how can I do it in a way right now, even though I don't have a bookkeeper, that would bring pleasure into this moment. So I would break it up and I would not make myself do it in these huge chunks that was like want it, making me want to peel my nails off. And I would let myself slow slip a really nice glass of wine and I would turn music on and I would like dance for a little bit. I just found ways to hack my reward system the whole way through because really wanted the outcome. And so right now I'm restoring a house that had a house fire. This was the house that I owned with my ex. I have not loved any of this process of restoring this house. It has been so frustrating to me. And I was like, why have I not used my own teachings in this case? I've just wanted to avoid every little piece of doing this, even picking out vanities. And I love picking out vanities and making bathrooms pretty guys. Like I said, give me color crayons. I love this shit, but I wasn't enjoying it because it's not a house that I'm going to live in. And it's a house that was filled with a lot of pain. And so now every time I make a decision, I make this decision for my future girl pad because I know the money I'm going to make from selling this house once it's finished is going to be the down payment for my future house. It's going to be me as like a single woman. My kids are 18 and 20. They're figuring out their new plans. They're moving out at the beginning of the year. And I'm going to go buy a house that's just for me. So every little decision that I make about the house that I'm selling right now, I first placed my attention. I went and I did a walkthrough of this adorable house that has like very cool Montecito vibes. You can't find that in Southern Florida. So I have this like muscle memory. I can smell it. I can see it. And I remember just walking through and I was like, this is the ultimate girl pad energy, babe cave all the way through. So now I have it like in all of my senses, smell it, taste it, see it. And I see myself in it, decorating it. And as I'm picking vanities for this other house, it feels like I'm picking vanities for my house. And I just hacked my imagination system to collect my reward 
now (laughs) so I can get this job done and have my reward later. But very important distinction is start with the ability to imagine reminiscing first, meaning see yourself having done it. Is there an increase of energy or a decrease of energy? If there's a decrease, I don't do it or I don't do it yet. It may not be time. If there's an increase, it is time. Thank you so much for asking that question because otherwise people are like, I'm dairy free, but it would feel like pleasure to eat that ice cream. Right. (laughs) But it doesn't feel like pleasure having done it. The first Mm. bite tastes good. The last bite is suffering. Oh my God. Wow. Wow. That is, (laughs) that is the perfect mental model, obviously for everything in life, but also for eating and, and what you just said. I have... Yeah, a ton of bloating issues and sensitivities to food. And I typically now think, oh, but yeah, it's pleasure. Life's too short. Eat dessert first. Like, like, da, da, da. And no, I know that at the end of eating that, I the energy will have decreased like significantly. So thinking of that future self and then feeling the pleasure getting there is really powerful. I love that. The thing with eating, I feel like if people understand this around food, they can apply it to anything. Mm. And there's one term that I feel like is one of the most, one of the terms that is well-intentioned but laced with the most amount of suffering, and that's you deserve it or I deserve it. And what I want to say around specifically food is no, you don't (laughs) because- You do not deserve to suffer. And having done it is suffering. So it might be, if you're not going to have an allergic reaction or something like that, it might be like, I can imagine myself having had a piece of pizza and I still feel fine. So then I'm going to go eat the piece of pizza. I can't imagine myself having had three pieces of pizza because that won't feel good. So I don't do that. Mm -hmm. So I enjoy food. I don't gain weight. Like my weight might fluctuate a few pounds here and there based off of um, like my period mostly. And Mm -hmm. otherwise, like I, I stopped gaining weight. I've been like consistently at this weight, this exact size, give or take a few pounds for years now, ever since I started thinking of it. No, I don't deserve Mm -hmm. any amount of suffering on the other end of any decision. Mm -hmm. And therefore now every decision I make is laced in desire because I want to. Not because oh my I'm God. being disciplined. There's, I hit that. That's where I got to in my food journey where I look at things and I'm like, I deserve to feel good. I deserve to feel light and energized yeah. and clear and focused and beautiful. And the thing that did that, to, like the shift, the, the catalyst of how I got to that shift, because before I'd eat till I was too full and then I'd be bloated or I'd overindulge or I'd eat a lot of sugar or it's Friday night, like it's Shabbat at our dad's, let's go hard and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I had a baby. And I was like, there is zero room for me to not feel good. Like Mm. zero room. And now that was my catalyst. And now it's completely second nature that I eat out of the self-respect of who I'm going to be in an hour or two hours or tonight or tomorrow. That's the pleasure model. And it feels damn good. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Wow. That's, I'm like... 
my brain is like buzzing with that shift because I've I know that I think I knew it but I never heard it in this way and Scout has always been so great around food and I've struggled so much with yeah all that rhetoric of you deserve it treat yourself yeah eat the dessert first all of this and yeah enough I the truth is that you need to have enough self-respect as you said to feel good and not to suffer in a couple hours like I love that oh I wouldn't wow. even call that self-respect. I would say I'm going to be ultimately deeply selfish. <laughs> yeah. And that is, I want it all. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want to imagine doing it, actually do it, and reminisce upon having done it. And I want reward in all three of those buckets. If mm. I can't have all three, I'm probably not going to do it at all. Mm. <laughs> it has nothing to do I with self-respect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Okay, should we ask our last question? Yes, we should. But before we ask the last question, I wanted to preface that in the beginning of this interview, I got very emotional when you were talking about what you went through because I think I'm my my baby's going to be one tomorrow. And it's like a different self. It's a different, like your heart goes out to moms who start motherhood that way because yeah. you know what it takes even with the resources even with the support you know how hard it is and it's just it's a strength that I see in you that is so beyond impressive and beautiful and sacred and I just I'm really grateful that you chose to be the woman that you are today not just for your babies of course but also for yourself thank you it's really amazing that. to see thank the strength of a mom it's insane Okay, so with that, I'm just very emotional because my baby's turning one tomorrow, so that's why. But we ask everybody who comes on OKSIS podcast this, if you could brag about one thing and not be humble, what would you brag about? I would brag about my sustainable energy (laughs) Um, because it is what powers everything. It's what powered me to be able to start my life over and to take care of my kids when my ex wasn't able to. And... Um, it's what powers me to be able to make clear decisions that employ a lot of people. And it's what empowers me to be able to jump on my podcast or your guys's podcast and to make teeny little mental shifts for people that really make a difference. So I would say like my selfishness around holding this standard for the pleasure model around having done it and then doing it and and making those decisions that constantly feel energy rich. You know, everybody always says like things start to tank at some point, like your energy is supposed to go down as you get older. And I just, I don't see that happening for me. I'm 41 Mm -hmm. years old and I have the most energy that I've ever felt. I feel the most alive. People compliment me all the time on like how I look for my age. I don't do Botox and I'm just like, I'm telling you guys, like I have cracked the matrix. (laughs) I hear it crumbling (laughs) every day. My feet hit the floor without waking up with anxiety. And I I think that's the thing that I feel the most proud of. And of course my babies, but everybody says that. (laughs) Hey friend, this is Lorelai, COO of The Unruly Entrepreneur. If you enjoyed this episode, I really think you'll love learning about Andrea's record-breaking program, The Pleasure Model, which has taken the internet by storm while teaching exactly how to never take another penny from pressure, only pleasure. 
Head to the show notes for all the info and a special surprise too. And of course, subscribe so you get notifications when new episodes drop and tag Andrea on Instagram at love underscore Andrea Crowder with your thoughts from today's episode. We're so glad you're here. 